Hello, my name is Penny Pepper. I'm an author, poet, journalist, speaker and activist. Welcome to Penny Thoughts. I'll be talking about writing, other work and maybe some surprising interests that inspire and intrigue me. From ghost stories to astronomy, Victorian freak shows, actually all things Victorian, to black cats, seaside living and adventures up the family tree. And don't worry because there will be more under the penny microscope and there will be the odd guest along the way. I'll share my writing and my news. Get comfy, grab a drink and enjoy the chat. Hello. A big welcome to my podcast. Yes, I am Penny Pepper. I'm a writer and yes, I am an activist. I'm a disabled activist and a wheelchair user and have been doing this stuff for a long time. And on that note, I wonder whether, dear listeners, you know that at the moment in the UK, it is Disability History Month. And that's what I want to just chat about briefly, because it's a great chance to highlight issues around disability, to connect with our allies globally and nationally. And remember that in 1981, we had this strange phenomena called the International Year of Disabled Persons. It was way before International Day, which is in December, and was a precursor of History Month, which runs from um, November into December. One of the reasons that UK Disability History Month falls during that time is because of International Day, which is the 3rd December That's a UN phenomena, the 3rd of December. It wasn't until uh, 92. I'm going to have a quick look on the internet now, but I believe that that was 92. Oh, 1992, the UN Proclamation of International Day of People with Disabilities, 3rd of December. So it's a good way of celebrating who we are and the fights we have, the battles we've won, coming together globally. I have the whole of History Month. I'd be very interested to hear if other countries out there have their own Disability History Month. One interesting factoid about all this is the process. So in 1981, this is Wiki telling me, there was the Proclamation of International Year of Disabled Persons declared by the United Nations. It was a plan of action for um, (laughs) equalisation of opportunities. Still struggling with that one, I think. So this was before International Day and it was before um, UK History Month. I believe that the US has History Month in July. Or Pride Month. So do tell me if I'm wrong. I'm very interested to know. One thing is in the UK we had a wonderful rousing piece of music 
called Spasticus Autisticus that was written and performed by uh, a post-punk disabled celebrity, really, called Ian Dury, um, who was a member of the Blockheads. They were a very, very big band uh, in uh, the late 70s, early 80s, and really, really had a big impact on me. I would say some of my poems that have a an activism vibe are influenced by Ian Dury. Now, his track, Spasticus Autisticus, caused something of a flurry. And while many disabled people love it, because it it's saying, here I am, and it was done um, in response to this International Year of Disabled Persons, which was seen by many as patronising, yes. So it was banned in various places, allegedly by the BBC, who considered it offensive. But do let me know if you have your own stories about these anniversary events for disabled people. And um, I may feature them in a future episode. And moving on. It's that time when I look at one of my interests. You never know, we might share an interest. And this month, it's about the Victorians. And in particular, Victorian freak shows. Now, they never seem to lose their fascination for people. And it's a mixture of horror and pity and curiosity but I would say my interest is because when you scratch away the cliches around freak shows it's very interesting to read how those individuals fought to make a living and control their lives through what they earn. I do have a particular fascination with Joseph Merrick who was known and displayed as the Elephant Man. I'm fascinated with Joseph because he represents so much of what so many disabled people have been through. The medic who rescues him, that was Mr Treves, who triggered the heartstrings of society to ensure that Merrick was not sent to an asylum for incurables. This is around 1885. There's another very particular reason that I love this era in that my upcoming novel is set during this time and I do have a scene or two little bits with Joseph Merrick and he is called Joseph Merrick. There's some confusion as to why even in... um, The surgeon Treves calls him John in his very brief memoir. I am obsessed with Victorians generally. I'm obsessed with their obsessions. They're obsessed with death. It was that time when there was such a huge change between classes, between men and women, And do remember that it was around that time women still could not own property in their own right. There were no women MPs and 
disabled people had no rights whatsoever, particularly if they were down the bottom end of the pile in the slums. So this has followed me for many, many years. I wish I could tell you more about my novel, but it is coming along in the system. I've written it and uh, that's all I can say at the moment. I cannot even tell you the name anymore. How exciting is that? But it is set in the era of Joseph Merrick, the Elephant Man. And relating to that, I would like to read you a story now, which has the title of Mrs. J. Merrick, Wife of the Elephant Man. First, there's Daisy who did nursing. Mr Treves at the London Hospital, he got girls in to wash the elephant man. Then there's Nancy, a bit of a peculiar one, a fancy freak, an invalid in this bath chair pulled by a wolf. My cousin Lisbeth's her maid. Daisy said, when you're used to Mr Merrick and his strange face, he's a kindly gent. Got curious, didn't I? Nancy says, meet Joseph Merrick with me. I was scared, I admit. Took some gin before it. But the truth is, I don't see good. This Nancy, who has a kind heart, she said she'd get me some spectacles, but I don't want charity. So when I met Mr Joseph, I couldn't see no monster. And after I got accustomed to his speaking... Our chat ran on. We was in the garden near his room on the ground floor. I didn't notice when Nancy left us. We talked about the workhouse, seeing as we're both familiar with that hell. He was concerned no vulgar ruffians had tried to ruin a pretty maid. Made me smile, and I had to wonder if he was truly seeing me, because my best feature is my hands. Well, me old dad says so. Fit for piano playing. Couldn't help me nosiness. Joseph's body all lumps and bumps everywhere. I wanted to touch him once my nerves faded. When I left, his fine normal hand took mine to kiss, lifting it to his strange mouth. It made me shiver. Not all in shock. I was fascinated. Nancy and her wolf took me back again and again. We had tea with Joseph and he told me his tales, the good and the bad. Our Brighton was frightful and cold and then Mr Treves saving him. Like most medical men, I thought the surgeon too snooty. Made Daisy cry. And when Joseph stood up to him in front of us saying he was unkind, I knew I loved Joseph Merrick. Later that week, and Nancy had an hand in it, he asked me to wed. I flew into an happy passion. Nancy calmed me, said there were hard truths to face. Me family wouldn't like it. They don't like us, that's different in these situations. They can't see beyond it. But she herself was delighted and urged me not to wait. I knew from Daisy that Joseph's 
gentleman would rise as expected, but it was Nancy I asked a question I could ask no other. Cheeks burning. I'd always wanted children and couldn't see why not if my Joseph could be the father. I believe Mr. Treves noted that Joseph's particulars are perfect. She smiled. You'll find a way between you. It always happens. We were married in spring. I got to Con as a nurse close to him while we made plans for our future in the world. Me eyes not mattering any more than Joseph's shapes. I say long prayers each night, especially as I'm now with his child. I do hope you like that piece about Joseph Merrick. There will be more of that nature and others. There'll be poems soon as well. I have a poem called Pre-Raphaelite Blizzard, so perhaps I'll do that next time. Now, that little piece of music is the way of announcing something I have a deep interest in, which is ghost stories and all things paranormal, actually. I'm what you would call a fence-sitter. I don't believe everything, and I'm certainly not gullible. I'm really not convinced about discarnate spirits. But I'm quite well read on this topic and I do like to check out not only ghosts where I live but wherever I've travelled to. So I have quite an extensive collection of books on paranormal experiences well across the UK and I follow lots of people I trust who are genuinely interesting and make efforts with their research on YouTube. So do recommend anyone if you have a favourite. I think today I just want to talk about my own experience, which remains unexplained. And that was when I lived on the Essex borders with London. And it involved lights. Now lights do figure in many ghost stories and these days we do have something called orbs that many ghost hunters believe are the spirits of the dead. I'm not so sure, I've watched quite a few of these programmes and again while I'm open there's no consideration of rats, bats and of course cats, birds I mean, even if you think of cats, and we will think about cats a lot in my podcast, they are sneaky little so-and-sos, and and, um, they will creep and press and wind. My cat's a draper, and by that, she, she does that thing of becoming liquid. So we can imagine they are probably responsible for many ghost sightings and noises. But my lights... I was in my bedroom and at that point I lived on my own. I woke up, cats on the bed, and I could see lights on the wall. 
I had a mirror on the wall. And one of the weirdest aspects of this experience was there was no reflection of the lights. Although the light should have been reflected. I was so intrigued and a little unnerved that I got out of bed and went over to look at them and they just stayed there. I tried working out where they were coming from. Couldn't work it out. The cats were curious. They weren't frightened. And it was an old house. It had some tragedy attached to it. But to this day, I still cannot explain how these lights appeared on my wall, in my bedroom, but did not show a reflection in the mirror or reveal their source. So... That's my little snippet. There'll be one a month from anywhere around the UK. Please send me your own request and I'll try and find a ghost story for you. Thank you so much for being with me on this first rebooted episode of my podcast. And I do hope you enjoyed it and that you will join me again for the next one. Thank you and goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to my podcast and for your interest in my writing. If you can subscribe, it's very appreciated. I'll see you on the next episode, which will be uploaded on the first Friday of each month. You'll find me on Instagram at The Penny Pepper, Twitter at PenPep, Facebook at Penny Pepper Writer, and my website, pennypepper.co.uk. The Penny Thoughts podcast and music was written by Penny Pepper and produced by Emma Sheehan.